Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Series of unfortunate events. Book the fourth, chapter nine. And the picture, what is the picture of Peyton? <laughs> what does that look like? Like thighs. It looks like a woman Wait, wearing a skirt and A sh- skirt and with um lace. Like tights and shoes. Tights, tights and the tights have eyes on them. Mm-hmm. And what's popping out of the tights? Lace. Like really hairy legs. <laughs> Like, it looks like a man. Do you see the hair? Yes, I see the hair. It's like lace that's broken. Yeah. Okay, chapter nine. Oftentimes, when children are in trouble, you will hear people say that that it is all because of low self-esteem. Low self-esteem is a phrase which here describes children who do not think much of themselves. They might think that they are ugly or boring or unable to do anything correctly, or some combination of these things, and whether or not they are right. You can see here why those sort of feelings might lead to trouble. In one vast majority of cases, however, getting into trouble has nothing to do with one's self-esteem. It usually has much more to do with whatever is causing the trouble. A monster, a bus driver, a banana peel, killer bees, the school principal than what you think of yourself. And so it was as Violet and Sunny Baudelaire stared at Count Olaf, or, as the nameplate on his desk said, Shirley. Violet and Sunny had a very healthy amount of self-esteem. Violet knew that she could do anything correctly, because she had invented many devices that were perfectly perfect. Sunny knew that she wasn't boring, because her siblings always took an interest in what she had to say. Um, both Baudelaire sisters knew that they weren't ugly because they could see their pleasant facial features reflected back at them in the middle of Count Olaf's shiny, shiny eyes. But it did not matter what they thought of these things because they were trapped. Why, hello there, little girls, Count Olaf said in a ridiculously high voice, as if he were really a receptionist named Shirley instead of an evil man after the Baudelaire fortune. What are your names? You know our names, Violet said curtly, a word here which means tired of Count Olaf's nonsense. That wig has that wig and that lipstick don't fool us any more than your pale brown dress, sensible be- insensible beige shoes. You're Count Olaf. I'm afraid you're mistaken, Count Olaf said. I'm Shirley. See this nameplate? Feedy, Sunny shrieked, which probably meant that name plate doesn't prove anything, of course. Sunny's right, Violet said. You're not Shirley, just because you have a small piece of wood that says your name on it. I'll tell you why I'm Shirley, Count Olaf. But here's the thing, she literally just said, just because you have a piece of wood that has your name on it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why I'm Shirley, Count Olaf said. I'm Shirley because I would like to be called Shirley, and it is impolite not to do so. 
I don't care if we're impolite, Violet says, to do such disgusting person as yourself. Count Olaf shook his head. But if you do something impolite to me, he said, then I might do something impolite to you. Like, for instance, tearing your hair out with my bare hands. Violet and Sunny looked at Count Olaf's hands. They noticed for the first time that he had grown fingernails very long and painted them bright pink as part of his disguise. The Baudelaire sisters looked at one another. Count Olaf's nails looked very sharp indeed. Okay, Shirley, Violet said. You've been lurking around Paltryville since we arrived, haven't you? Shirley handed, lifted a hand to pat her wig into place. Maybe, she said, still in her foolish high voice. And you've been hiding out in that eye-shaped building this whole time, haven't you? Violet said. Shirley batted her eyes and Violet and Sunny noticed that beneath her long eyebrow, her one long eyebrow, another identifying mark of Count Olaf, she was wearing false eyelash extensions. Perhaps, she said. And you're in cahoots with Dr. Orwell, Violet said, using a a phrase here which means working with in order to capture the Baudelaire fortune, aren't you? Possibly, Shirley said, crossing her legs, revealing a long white stockings printed with the pattern of an eye. Popnish, Sunny shrieked. Sunny means, Violet said, that Dr. Orwell hypnotized Klaus and caused that terrible accident, didn't she? conceivably Shirley said and he's being hypnotized again right now isn't he Violet asked it's within the bounds of the imagination Shirley said Violet and Sunny looked at one another their hearts pounding Violet looked at her sister's hand and took a step backwards towards the door and now she said you're going to try and ask us whisk us away aren't you of course not Shirley said I'm going to offer you a cookie like a good little receptionist. You're not a receptionist, Violet cried. I certainly am, Shirley said. I'm a poor receptionist who lives all by herself and who wants very much to raise children of her own. Three children, in fact. A smarty-pants little girl, a hypnotized little boy, and a buck-toothed baby. Well, you can't raise us, Violet said. We're already being raised by Sir. Oh, he'll hand you over to me soon enough, Shirley said, her eyes shining brightly. Don't be a... Violet said, but she stopped herself before she could stay absurd. Sir wouldn't do a thing like that, but inside she wasn't so sure. Sir had already made the three Baudelaire sleep in one small bunk, and he had already made them work in the lumber mill, and he had already only fed them gum for lunch. And as much as she wanted to believe that the that it was absurd to think that he would simply hand the Baudelaire orphans over to Shirley, Violet was not certain. She was only half sure, and so she stopped herself after a word. Ab, said a voice behind her, which meant, what in the world does Ab mean? Violet and Sunny turned around and saw Dr. Orwell leaning, leading Klaus into the waiting room. He was wearing a new pair of glasses and looked confused. Klaus, Violet cried. We were so worried. She stopped herself before she could say anything. Out. Or before she could say out. But 
when she saw her brother's expression. It was the same expression he had had the previous night when he finally came back from the first appointment with Dr. Orwell. Behind his new pair of glasses, Klaus had wide, wide eyes and a dazed, distant smile, as if his sisters were people that he didn't know so well. There you go again with Ab, Dr. Orwell said. Whatever does that word mean? Ab isn't a word, of course, Shirley said. Only a stupid person would say a word like Ab. They are stupid, aren't they? Dr. Orwell agreed, as though they were talking about the weather instead of insulting three young children. They must have very low self-esteem. I couldn't agree more, Dr. Orwell, Shirley said. Call me Georgina, the horrible optimist replied, winking. Now, girls, here is your brother. He's a little tired after his appointment, but he'll be fine tomorrow morning. More than fine, in fact, much more. She turned and pointed at the door with her jeweled cane. I believe you three, I believe you three know the way out. I don't, Klaus said faintly. I can't remember coming here. That happened often. That, hap that often happens after an optometry appointment, Dr. Orwell said smoothly. Now run along, orphans. Violet took her brother by the hand and began leading, leading him out of the waiting room. We're, f we're really free to go, she asked, not believing it for a moment. Of course, Dr. Orwell said, but I'm sure my receptionist and I will see you soon. After all, Klaus seems to have gotten very clumsy lately. He's always causing accidents. Rupish, Sonny shrieked. She probably meant they're not accidents. They're results of hypnotism. But the adults paid no attention. Dr. Orwell merely stepped out of the doorway and Shirley wiggled her, her pink finger, fingers at them in a scrawny wave. Toodaloo, orphans, Shirley said. Klaus looked at Shirley and waved back as Violet and Sonny led him by the hand out of the waiting room. How could you wave to her? Violet hissed to her brother as they walked back the, down the hallway. She seems to be a nice lady, Klaus said. Klaus said, frowning. I know I've met her somewhere before. Ballywat, Sunny shrieked, which undoubtedly meant she's Count Olaf in disguise. If you say so, Klaus said vaguely. Oh, Klaus, Violet said miserably. Sunny and I had wasted time arguing with Shirley when we should have been rescuing you. You've been hypnotized again. I know it. Try to convince, try to concentrate, Klaus. Try to remember what happened. I broke my glasses, he said slowly. And then we left the lumber mill and I'm very tired, Veronica. Can I go to bed? Violet, Violet said. My name is Violet, not Veronica. I'm sorry, Klaus said. I'm just so tired. Violet opened the door of the building and the three orphans stepped out onto a depressing street in Paltryville. Violet and Sunny stopped remembering when they had first reached the lumber mill after getting off of the train and had seen that eye-shaped building. Oh, I see it. It's like sideways eye, huh? Interesting. Weird. Strange, strange. Their instincts had told them that the building was trouble. But the children had not listened to their instincts. They had listened to Mr. Poe. We'd better take him to the dormitory, Violet said to Sonny. I don't know what else we can do with Klaus in this state. When we should, Then we should tell Sir what happened. I hope he can help us. Gurry, Sonny agreed gloomily. Yeah? Look at the page. Oh, okay. Yeah? Did you think we missed a page? No, I thought you went from... Um, oh, like that. Like there. Yeah. No, That's okay. 
like right here to the other. You skipped a couple pages. Tea right here. Yeah. The the sisters led their brother through the wooden gates of the mill and across the dirt floor courtyard whew, to the dormitory. It was almost supper time when the children walked inside. They could see the other employees sitting on their bunks and talking quietly amongst themselves. I see her back, one of the workers said. I'm surprised you can show your faces around here after what you did to Phil. Oh, come on, Phil said to the orphans. And the orphans turned to see him lying down on his bunk with his leg in a cast. Klaus didn't mean to do it, did you, Klaus? Mean to do what, Klaus said quizzically. A word here which means because he didn't know what he what caused the accident and what hurt Phil's legs. Our brother is very tired, Violet said quickly. How are you feeling, Phil? Oh, perfectly fine, said Phil. My leg hurts, but nothing else does. I'm really quite, quite fortunate. But enough about me. There's a memo that was left for you. Foreman Fluctuano said that it was very important. Phil handed Violet this an envelope with the word Baudelaire's typed on the front, just like the typed note from the welcome of welcome wait, typed note of welcome the children had found on their first day at the mill. Inside the envelope was a note which read as follows To the Baudelaire Orphans from Sir Subject Today's Accident I have been informed that you caused an accident this morning at the mill that injured an employee and disrupted the day's work. Accidents are caused by bad workers, and, a bad, and bad workers are not tolerated at Lucky Smills Lumber Mill. If you continue to cause accidents, I will be forced to fire you and send you to live somewhere else. I have located a nice young lady who lives in town that would be happy to adopt you young three children. Her name is Shirley, and she works as a receptionist. If the three of you continue to be bad workers, I will place you under her care. Well, I guess she was right. Mm-hmm. This is, like, so crazy. You can't just, like, pass kids off to people without, like, getting approved. This book's crazy. Don't you think? Oh, man. When you read these books, does it stress you out? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm not reading it. Well, I know, but like when you hear the story, does it make you go like, what? What? Okay, mom, ah. yeah, it's, mom I'm tired. Go. Okay, all right. She's, she's getting bossy on me, guys. <laughs>